Bills coverage show. I am your host, Keith Cork, and I'm joined actually by two guests today. I'm joined by my good friend and, and co-host here, Mr. Trey Hill, and also my little boy, Christopher. I'm just watching him for now. Mommy's upstairs with, with baby sister. She needs a little break. So what's up, Christopher? You want to say hi to everybody? <laughs> he does not. That's okay. <laughs> no worries. He said he's going to be quiet for me, so we're going to go ahead and, and start. I mean, to, to be fair, <laughs> who wants to talk about the Chicago Bulls team right now? That's true. Yeah, silence is probably golden at this point when we're talking about the Chicago Bulls. But, Trey, uh, a lot to cover here. We obviously got through the trade deadline in the NBA. Uh, Bulls stand pat, make absolutely zero moves. So, I mean, just – Initial reaction to that, I mean, you know, what? how did you feel on trade deadline day? And like, you know, let's, just, let's just start there. How did you feel on deadline day? Uh, I mean, the big thing, I guess, for the Bulls was the talk with Zach Levine might be communi- right. he might be going to the Knicks was right. what I had heard. Other than that, it didn't seem like the Bulls were, were too into anything. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I was – there were Knicks deals that I, you know, you could have made up that I would have been happy to take for Zach Levine and to just start another reset on this franchise after seeing, you know, just how how things are going and how they mm-hmm. seem to be trending. But right. nothing seemed to materialize. They just stood pat. Continuity is king in Chicago, and it's just. Uh, I think it's. I mentioned right before we started taping. This was the first time I put in Tankathon.com. And yeah. that's that's where we are as a Bulls franchise, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, the rumored you know, offer for Zach Levine was Fournier, um, Grimes, Toppin, and I think it was two firsts or three firsts. It might have been three firsts, which, you know, I mean, that's that's decent. Um, maybe it was just two. In that case, it might be less decent. But it, either way, it wasn't like I was somewhat over underwhelmed, you know, by that by that offer. I wasn't like super into it. Um, I think for me, though, if they would have pulled the trigger, I, I think I would have preferred it just because, like you said, I think it's kind of it, one of those situations where you kind of have to pull that Band-Aid off. And uh, we d- definitely need to replenish our, our draft capital. So I feel like it would have made sense and I wouldn't have been like upset if they did it. But I, I wasn't super like into that package. No, I wasn't into the, that package, but the, there were player, you know, players and pick combo combinations of players and picks on the Knicks that I, I would have definitely been satisfied with. Yeah, I would have liked to get quickly if you know we're gonna get rid of. Uh, yeah. If we're gonna get rid Quick, of Zach. Yeah, mm. quickly was the guy I had in mind, and then mm. you know top and two if you could maybe top extort yeah. the Knicks out of it along with some picks. Right. Yeah. So I think it was just maybe just a little underwhelming. You know, Grimes, I'm just not super super into. He's he's fine. He's a, he's an okay player. Um, I think quickly is the one that's got the, the higher upside. So maybe that's what the sticking point was in the ne- negotiations. I mean, we we may never know, or it might take a while for us to know, or you know who knows, but. Uh, but yeah, not not super into that. Uh, yeah, I was pretty disappointed though. I mean, just in general, um, standing pat the deadline. You know, the the one thing this team desperately needs is shooting. I felt like it was available out there, and you know, I I don't know if they're. I mean, obviously, I don't know what other offers they fielded. I don't. I'm not in that office, so I don't know. You know, what people were were trying to get out of the Bulls in exchange for for certain guys. But you, you know, you had other teams go out there and get better again. And this is what the third. Uh, transactional period in a row where the Bulls didn't do anything. And, of course, you know, we had the big Vucevic trade. Um, that's kind of the last big splash uh, AK's made. So it's continuity. I mean, that's what they preached to start the season. But we've seen what continuity does now. Uh, I mean, how do you I feel mean, about the, that? The Bulls did get DeMar and Lonzo in free agency. So I, I don't mm-hmm. want to discount the that impact. But in terms mm-hmm. of trades, yeah, you're right. It has been Vucevic. Mm-hmm. For me – 
You're right. The team does need shooting. But for me, they almost need quick playmaking more than anything. It just seems like they can't take advantage of a bent defense. But we we have a pretty deep team in terms of talent, I feel like. I feel pretty com- comfortable saying we have eight, nine very quality NBA players. So if you're going to trade somebody out and bring someone in, they have to be good enough to crack the rotation. And it just seemed like the cost was so high and AK seemed settled on, well, this team isn't really a contender. I don't want, you know, I'm just apparently going to ride it out until the the end of the season. Uh, For me, my big disappointment this year in terms of trades is I mentioned it way earlier at the start of the season when Portland started hot. I I wish we would have traded that Portland pick because it's lottery protected. And Mm. now it looks like it's going to be one of those picks that the Bulls don't get to use for the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. The Trailblazers have been uh, not not looking so good recently, and they just traded with Josh Hart. seems like they're probably going to be getting a top you know, 14 pick here, which means the Bulls won't, won't convert that. And that's really disappointing. Um, and just just more piling on for Bulls fans, because it's just there's no there's no light at the end of the tunnel right now. It's like, you know, we have Patrick Williams and I want to talk about him. You know, he's looked very good recently. Uh, so that's that's kind of a little bit of a light. But that, I mean, that's basically it, Trey, because, I mean, even Kobe White, you can point to how good he's been playing. I know you've, you've been looking at that, but he's on an expiring deal. I mean, he could very well walk at the end of the season without the Bulls having recuperated anything for him. I mean, he's restricted. I can't imagine the Bulls mm-hmm. – I can't imagine the Bulls letting him go mm-hmm. unless it's just – unless some team absolutely maxes him out, you know, something outrageous. But for me, it, it would be hard for me to imagine them, even if it's just – signing him and then trading him at the next trade deadline. I, I can't see him going for nothing. But, yeah, I he, Kobe White and Patrick Williams have been the two real bright spots for me. Uh, I've really liked Kobe, and that might be my uh, fascination with the playmaking aspect. But I was thinking about it when I was watching the game against the Cavaliers because the Cavs, they were so long, so active on defense. How many, player, how many players can you see – you see making like jump passes like as soon as they get the ball they they catch the or as soon as they catch the ball they are already they are already making the pass Kobe White and Vucevic are the only players I saw that entire game who kind of had a pass loaded when they caught the ball so they could keep the ball moving and keep that defense bent whereas Zach Demar Patrick Williams they all they're ball stoppers for even if it's just for a second they're ball stoppers whereas Kobe and Vooch those guys have been the ones that have been able to move the ball. So Kobe White, Patrick Williams, those have been the two bright spots for me in a season that's otherwise just been more of the second half of last season. All right. The one guy we're not mentioning here uh, noticeably is Ayo Dosumu. And, you know, maybe it's just because we're not really psyched about him recently. But, I mean, he's been playing pretty well. Um, <clears throat> you know, I just don't think when it comes down to it at the end of the day, I don't think we're going to, you know, say that, um, he's like a star level type player or has an upside. I think he's more of a, of a role player and we definitely know that. Uh, and so I think the entire league knows that. So I'm not like super duper high on IO, but I think he's a very decent role player. Right. I think role player is, he's going to be a role player. He's never going to be a star, but people are, people still classify Mikel Bridges as a role player. And, you know, I don't think he ever quite reaches that heights, but he can be 85% of Mikael Bridges at his peak. And we still see glimpses glimpses of that. He had 20, I think it was 22 points the other night. When he attacks the basket and is aggressive, he, he seems to be able to find these weird angles on layups. He takes the most 
the strangest looking layups to me, but they find ways to go in. And I think with, you know, NBA experience and just developing that, I think he's going to continue to grow. I just, I think he's, I think he could be a better Caruso, I guess would be another way to look at it. I think, you know, I would love to have him on the bulls for the next 10 years and he can be the guard version of Taj Gibson. Uh, And, you know, I I think one of the interesting things from the deadline that I saw that wasn't necessarily mentioned, uh, it wasn't like a huge deal. I don't think I don't think a lot of outlets really picked up on it. But I did see that um, there was a rumor that the uh, I can't remember which team it was, but somebody had been looking at Kobe White and trading for him. And the Bulls, actually, their asking price was too high for Kobe White for the other team. So um, I do think this this organization does value Kobe White. I think you're right about, you know. When you're talking about, you know, prospects, I think, you know, if you're looking at like a guy like Adesumu or a guy like Kobe White and, you know, you're, you're asking yourself, OK, who has the higher upside? I mean, it's, it's obvious that's Kobe White because of that playmaking ability. So I do think he actually has higher value than most fans would give him credit for, even though he didn't play super well the last couple seasons. This season, he's been great. And I mean, we can go ahead and just start talking about that where, you know, you were talking, look at some numbers on Kobe, but but he's been really, really good in limited minutes this year. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I feel like most of it is just effort and being in the league. Like, he's always put in the effort, but he would get lost on defense the last couple of years. And this year, he gets beat on defense quite often, but it's just because of his limitations with his size. He's almost always in the right place. He, he's moving his hip, you know, he, he's moving his hips. He's not fouling guys. He does a great job of getting his arms up as he's running with guys before they before they get into their shot. So you you know how guys they love to do that pull up into their shot when the guy's hands down and get the rip through foul. Kobe does a great job of getting his arms up a little just prematurely a little bit, but it avoids that contact and lets him continue to contest shots. I think he's developed a lot on that end and that's that's one of the things that I've liked the most from him this year. I I love the offensive connect connectivity that he offers on that end. I love how he is willing to shoot, and as soon as he catches the ball, he's making a decision. He, that that whole .5 second rule that you hear other teams have, they want you to make a decision in half a second. Kobe White would fit into that seamlessly, whereas most Bulls wouldn't. He's just, I think it, it's a guy who is what in his fourth year now. I think this is his fourth year. It's showing he's gotten that NBA uh, experience. That's the word I was looking for. He's got that NBA experience and. The game slowed down for him a little bit, and he's able to take advantage of the gifts that he does have because he was picked seven for a reason. And you talk about that slow decision making. That brings me to just kind of last night. I don't, I don't even really want to talk about it just because I'm just going to get so angry. Um, but the Bulls blow another big lead, uh, just a trend this season. I mean, it's not like it's never, it's not surprising at this point. It's just, just always disappointing. And uh, I think you know, watching that third end of the third into the fourth quarter. Um, Man, it was it was rough, and, and a lot of that was decision making. You know, we would get the ball. Um, there were several times I saw the players get the ball. Uh, felt like they had a pretty decent shot, and they passed it up to try to find a better shot, shot presumably. But it just never transpired. And of course, the Cavs are a good defensive team, but they were on a back to back tray, and they had like maybe 12 hours of downtime in between games. And we looked like the ones that had tired legs in the fourth quarter. It was just very very frustrating for me. Yeah, I definitely understand that part. You almost wonder if the Bulls had had just let the Cavs hang in it in that first half, if they wouldn't have went into halftime and gotten all fired up. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Bulls could have could have used that to their advantage, but it really felt like the Cavs came out after halftime and did what like the the Bulls teams of old, you know, those early Jordan teams when when they had Harper or 
no, I guess not early, but when they had Harper and Pippen mm-hmm. and the way they would just swarm you on defense and just smother you, that's what the Cavs did to the, to the Bulls mm-hmm. the last last night. It was just, it was terrible, terrible stuff to watch. And yeah. it wasn't the defense. Like, we still held them to under 100 points. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like the defense was terrible. Yeah, there there were errors on that. And, you know, every team's going to have breakdowns in the, over the course of 48 minutes. But they were solid on the defensive end. It was really the offensive end where the struggles shone through. And it just seems like teams are figuring out this Bulls squad. They, they figured out how to defend them, how to force them into – being awkward on offense and the bulls are great at being awkward on offense well i would argue that the bulls were always awkward on offense i think you know uh and again i i hate to keep banging on this point but i think not having lonzo ball is a huge loss for the bulls and i think it's you know i I think you know people say oh it's that's an over you can't just point you know point at that guy because then it's not fair to him because then if he comes back and they're not good then then it's all on him and stuff like that i mean i get that point but at the same time, I mean, the reason the Bulls were so good at the first half of last season was because they were getting on transition tons, because they were generating turnovers. They were um, getting the ball down the floor quickly and not having to do much half-court sets or half-court offense. I think they've done a better job of learning how to play through Gooch in that half-court, which I think has been a, a good development you know, through this season. But um, but even so, I mean, they're just not getting those transition baskets, baskets that they were getting at the beginning of last uh, of last season, and it's just it's just not going to happen. I don't think with this squad on the floor, I don't see any hope, man. And I, I mean, that, that'll kind of bring me to my next point. But yeah, you had a point. Go ahead if you want to point on that one. Oh, I, and you say not to put it all on Lonzo. It's just to frame it that way. So one of the things I want, to, I would love to see, is Patrick Williams to try and and level mm-hmm. up his playmaking a little bit because. Lonzo, not only does he have that special playmaking game, but he he also has the size to make a lot of passes that a guy like Kobe White just doesn't have. He doesn't have the same ability to make those passes because he's not as tall. He doesn't have as long – like, he doesn't have those options. So we need some type of playmaking from somebody who can just really rev things up and get things going. And I think Kobe can do it in the half court. But I I would love to see Patrick Williams – become like a, a transition monster on that front. Just be able to get get a board and take off what, or, you know, throw the base, you know, the football pass mm-hmm. long distance. I just, ah. Well, he's been good. I mean, Patrick has been. Patrick's been good. good. It's just, yeah. I, that sigh was because <laughs> I wasn't ready to be back to talking about using the last 30 games of, as player development while I hoped for lottery odds. Like we, I just wasn't ready to be back in this spot as a franchise yet, but that unfortunately is where we're at. I mean, it's a possibility, you know, they could play IO Kobe, uh, Patrick, a whole bunch of minutes, sit Demar, sit Zach, sit Vooch. Um, I mean, I guess you play Drummond and, and maybe increase his value or something. I don't, I don't know, but um, it is a possibility. That's the route they go. Um, I just don't think, you know, there's not enough talent on this team to really, worry that much about development i think you can get that development while still being competitive but but yeah things are slipping away fast here i mean the bulls have to change you know swing things around here in the next week or two they're gonna go for the play and i think they're gonna hit the play and end up being a, right, right now they are 10th they are yeah. they are in the play in they'll be ninth or toronto, toronto yeah. is a half game back and then you have the pacers at two games back and then you have the magic pistons and hornets and they those three they're they're locked into that bottom five but the Pacers, like I said, they're only two games back. If the Bulls could get to where the Pacers are in the lottery odds, that's sixth in the lottery odds. That's pretty decent to move up into the top four. Mm-hmm. 
And then at least you would get to keep your pick. That would be a huge. I mean, I just I feel like you're you're playing. With it's fire. almost. It would be almost forty percent. Right. To keep our pick. And you're playing with fire, though. I mean, I mean, on one side, I mean, there's no reason to really play for the play-in and then lose. But on the other side, there's also like, I mean. I mean, I, to be fair, do you really have to tank to fall two games? I mean, no, the not the way the bull, not the way I, the bulls are with playing. The way the bulls, <laughs> with the way the bulls are playing. All you, with you've got you've got Lonzo who's had knee issues. Demar's getting older. You just rest guys on back to backs. You just make sure they're fresh and ready to go for next season. You don't have to actively tank hard, but you just don't make you just don't push things. Like I would much rather Zach not play back to backs than try to play every single game for a, a push to get the tenth seed and put all those miles on his knee and then come into next season sore. Right. Like he did this season. Right. I mean, they should have traded Demar. That's that was my stance uh, before the deadline. I think that would have been a good move. I mean, I, I think his salary makes that kind of difficult, but at the same time, I think you have to get just he's at his highest value now. You're going to get something back that you, that the Bulls fans would like, and um, I'm just I'm just disappointed that that didn't happen, or uh, you know something didn't happen. I mean, if they wanted to add more pieces, fine. I'm not into that. I just don't think that this group, without especially without Lonzo, is going to be that special. They're not going to be that playoff team that we're hoping for. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it was very, very disappointing for me. But let me – you said that, uh, you know, the Bulls need playmaking and they need that guy out there. So that brought me to my uh, one of my next points I want to you know, bring up here and ask you about. And that's going to be Russell, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> uh, you know, Westbrook, um, not a huge fan of his, but how do you feel about his fit with the Bulls? I mean, is he going to fit – could he fit into that Lonzo role, at least getting him out in transition on offense? I don't want him. Yeah. Like, he he would have benefits in terms of his engine is always 100 per, 100. He's always going 100% when he's out there. He he makes errors a lot on defense, but at least he's at least he's trying mm. on that end where you, you know we we've seen where some players aren't always trying on that end. So I see where the people see the value in him coming in, but for me, I want Io to play. You know, I want Kobe White to play. I don't. I don't want these minutes going to Westbrook. I don't want these playmaking. I want <clears throat> I want Williams to develop playmaking. You know, I want him to have these these opportunities to develop his playmaking. The same for Kobe White. You know, even for Derek Jones Jr. Maybe even a little bit. Give him some chance to playmake because while it's not a skill of his now, if he could playmake a little bit off of a defense that's already having to rotate to him because of Zach Demar, Kobe, you know, whoever is breaking them down, just get these guys to where they can take advantage of a scrambling defense and put the bulls in better positions. Because when you hold a team to under a hundred points in today's NBA, you, you shouldn't lose by more than 10. Yeah. That's just crazy. And they, you know, the Cavs were not shooting the ball well uh, in the first half. So I, I just I had that sinking feeling. And I was like, they're going to start hitting those shots. I also just misspoke. It was 97 to 89. So it, excuse oh, yeah. me. They only <laughs> lost by eight. Oh, well, that's uh that's a big development there. Uh, it was, yeah, that's disappointment all around. I mean, this has been one of the most frustrating Bulls seasons, I think, in recent memory. Uh, you know, I think when the Bulls were bad before, it was kind of kind of expected. I mean, when the Bulls traded for Vooch, I would say that was that was pretty disappointing as well when they didn't make the play-in or, or uh, uh, in the playoffs. But that was less disappointing than the season's been. There, there are definitely loftier expectations for this group coming in. But we also thought Lonzo was going to be there, so, you know, I'm not going to, like, 
harp on you know banging us too hard. I think we were higher higher on them because we thought Lonzo was going to be healthy, and then all of a sudden we got the awful news there. So uh, I think that's a big reason here. But but still, even with Lonzo in this in this mix here, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it does change them night and day, and and they are a really good team. But I just don't see it, man. In my heart of hearts, I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't either. I wanted to see more growth from them because. While we were hoping for Lonzo, we were expecting Lonzo slash hoping Lonzo to come back. This team is very familiar playing without Lonzo, so there was no reason for them to not be developing more than they have been. And I know development has been put on the back burner in terms of wins so that, you know, DeMar and Zach get most of the playmaking opportunities. But to see how little things have progressed and as teams have figured out how to play this bull squad, it's just been... Uh, disappointing and kind of a referendum i think a little bit on the coaching staff yeah coaching staff and the front office are really getting blasted by bulls twitter bulls fans and i think it's justified i mean i think it's just it's just frustration and that's kind of one of the first you know places we go uh is definitely the coach we always blame the coach first and you know hey i was one of the guys saying being critical of billy donovan back when we were good go ahead you got a point <laughs> all right let's be real though for a minute and i i've been a little bit of a billy donovan defender but Zach is the biggest offender of falling asleep on defense, of right. not putting in that effort. Yes. He is he is the guy who the coaching staff needs to make an example of. And they they attempted to do that once early on in the season when he had a sore knee, when it, he had every excuse in the world to make to the media to be cool with it. And instead of saying something like, yeah, my defense was a little off. I'm still coming back. I'm a little rusty. He realized that my, you know, my guys on the bench, they were, they could step up for me. And, and instead, he was like, "Well, Billy's got to live with that," or whatever it was he said. So with Zach putting the coaching staff in the position of, if you, if you try and hold me accountable, I'm going to say something about it publicly. What would, what, what would you, what? would you have Billy do to try and hold this team accountable for the mistakes they're making that are repeat mistakes? Well, yeah, like I was you know, saying, you know, I was one of the biggest um, critics of, of Billy Donovan when we were having a good season last season, but then now, now everything's shifted to the other side and now you know, everyone's mad at Billy. And now I'm trying to get into a Billy Donovan defender. I mean, I just don't think, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think he matters that much. I don't think most NBA coaches matter that much. I've said that many times on different podcasts. Uh, you can go go pull up the receipts. I say that I'm very, very, uh, uh, say that all the time. It's, it's a very continuous, uh, you know, um, thought that I have. But yeah, I think, you know, you're right. I mean, I think I think the biggest thing for a coach is to have your players and to have them bought in to what you're doing. And I think that's the biggest struggle that the Bulls have right now behind the scenes. I think, you know, everything that we've seen points to that, that Zach Levine and Billy Donovan are not on the same page. It's just they haven't been on the same page. Zach Levine's kind of, I wouldn't say overstayed his welcome, but I think he's kind of getting getting ready to move on. I think, you know, I think the biggest thing, the biggest tip off to me is they're shopping him at the deadline. I mean, that that's crazy. You know, at the beginning of the season, you know, we would have never thought that would have happened. And now all of a sudden it seems like he's expendable almost. Right. It's like we're ready to move on. I was going to say, I don't think it's shocking that he was shopped at the deadline. I think the shocking part of it is how not newsworthy it was. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. How many, how many, right. How many Bulls fans were shocked to hear that Zach Levine was on the block? 
I saw Bulls fans not wanting us to trade him, but I didn't see anybody right, not saying, wanting, but yeah. but who right, but no one was shocked. And and that's what it's come to with him and this team. And I I would love to see them find a way to turn it around. I just I don't see it. And it's hard for me to judge the coaching staff because we we talk about the things we would want from them development wise, but it's pretty clear that this team hasn't has an edict to win and to run through DeMar, run through Zach, run, and then Vooch. And it's – I feel like Billy's done what he can with what he's been given, and it's just like an incomplete grade if we're trying to give him a grade. But to me, I I would, I wish you, I wish he would just use – Zach's on the table. He's been on the block. So if he needs to be benched, I would like to just see him benched. And if you have to just have – a a you know a bidding war in the offseason because Zach throws a fit about being benched when he needs to be held accountable. That way you can bench tomorrow. You can bench all of these other players. You can bench Io. You can bench Patrick Williams when they're making mistakes because that's one of the things in Sacramento. Sacramento's I think they were I don't know if they're still third out in the West. I know they're still mm. pretty high. Mm. They'll call a timeout 35 seconds into the game when someone makes misses a defensive rotation, and Mike Brown will point it out to them. He'll walk onto the court and point it out, and then if they miss it again, he'll yank them from the game. Mm. Holding, being able to hold every single player accountable on the defensive end will lead to success on both ends. But when you can't do that and you have to let things slide, the NBA players are too good. The skill level is too high in today's NBA to give them any type of advantage, and that's just what the Bulls do night in and night out. So what are your thoughts, um, you know, Arturis Kurosovas, what are your thoughts about him at this point? I mean, um, I think he's managing all this stuff. I think, you know, again, I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes between Zach and the coaching staff and, and the front office probably that we just don't not privy to right now. We'll, we'll know more about it once he gets traded or, you know, once he's out of Chicago. So that could be several years down the road. We don't know. But I, I think he's managing that and trying to keep that private as much as possible. And so I think that's one thing. But, but I mean, still, I mean, even if you are upset, have an upset, you know, star, why is he upset? You know, we got to ask ourselves that. Is it because he got sat one time? I, I mean, I highly doubt it. It's because we're losing, right? It's because we're not playing to the level that he expects we should play with the, with the roster that we have. And so, like, you know, are they listening to him when he's asking, hey, can we go add this guy? And I'm not saying Zach's a guy that, like, like LeBron or something where you go and just bend him backwards to to fulfill every request. But but maybe you want to make him happy and, and get some guys in. And, and maybe, you know, maybe – I mean, you need to add talent, right? If you want to win basketball games, you need to add talent. Uh, and that just didn't happen. So what are your thoughts on AK at this point and, you know, that whole situation? I think he's being patient and – I've li- like I I I liked pretty much every move he's made. When he's made it, I've understood it. I've I've understood the value. I've I've liked the moves he's made. So at this point, I'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt. I think everything he's done has made complete sense. But this next year and a half is really going to be the big test to see where he goes from here. And like how things go will, you know, determine how we feel about, you know, his legacy as the Bulls GM, I think. For me, it's just... Ah, God. I had such high hopes for this team. And so, you you know, you look at the Lakers and you've got LeBron and AD and you say you need, you need to add shooters around those guys to win. When you have a, a team with 
Zach and Demar, you have to add playmaking around them to win. You don't need to necessarily have shooters, but you need playmakers. And the Bulls just haven't been able to find that. So we've got um, coming up here, we've got the Orlando Magic. We've got the Indiana Pacers. We've got the Milwaukee Bucks, the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, three of those four games should theoretically be winnable uh, if you're the Chicago Bulls. But, you know, we've said this before. Um, they just lost to the Brooklyn Nets. Lost to the Cavaliers on a rough back-to-back for the Cavs. They lost to Memphis, which I understand. I mean, Memphis is a very good basketball team. I'm not, I'm not upset about that one. I'm really upset about the, the Brooklyn Nets and the and the Cavs' losses. I think those both should have been wins. Uh, you know, the Nets, obviously. The Nets know. is the one that really burns me. The, the Cavs yeah. one, it, it it hurt to watch. But the Cavs, I, I think the Cavs are a legitimate contender. I think they're the third-best mm. team in, in the East, and I think they're they're a contender. So to me, it just seemed like a contending team dialing in, go heading into the postseason. So while you know, while it sucked, I was happy they held them under 100 points. But that that Nets loss, you're right, that one stings. But it wouldn't sting as bad as losing to the Magic or the Pacers in these next two. Yeah, I, I really hope they they pull out some wins in those two if they want to keep this thing going. Um, if they want to start taking, they got to do it now. I mean, it, it's just at this point you've got what 30 games left in the season, just about. Well, like a, you're not getting into that top five. So at this point, you only need to move down two two games right. to make up with with the Pacers, and you've got plenty of games to do that. Um, heck, they play the Pacers twice. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing. So like, if they lost those two games, boom, they're right there tied for it. And at that point, you have almost forty percent chance to keep the pick. Which, if you don't keep the pick, and that you end up giving the Magic the sixth or seventh or eighth pick again, yeah, that's gonna suck. But I would much rather have a 40% chance at keeping the pick and getting one of these top four prospects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we don't get it giving them the six, then having, like I'm looking at the 12th down here, having a 6% chance to keep it or giving them the 12th pick. I, I want that 40%. Yeah. yeah what about you? Do you want the 40% or, what, or do you want that 6%? But we're, you know, but we don't, we don't give them the sixth pick. We give them the twelfth pick. I mean, it doesn't matter. I don't. The Magic don't matter to me. I mean, I hope they get a good pick. You know, it's good for them. Uh, I like that Magic team. They're they're a fun team. So I don't care. They can they can have as, as okay. Good so a pick you're as on te- you're on team forty with me. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. I want a higher chance to keep our pick at this point. I mean, I just I, don't. And think- I'm not saying I want the Bulls necessarily to to tank right now. But okay, so you mentioned the the games: Magic, Pacers, Bucks, Nets, Wizards, Raptors, Pistons. If the Bulls try through those games and they can't get a winning record just through those games, I think at that point you might start looking at resting guys on back-to-backs that yeah. have injury histories. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just depressing. Just a bad spot for the Bulls to be in. But you know what, Bulls fans? It's okay. We will be all right. Just like my boy will be all right. Right, Christopher? You're going to be all right? Yeah. yeah Marco <laughs> Simonovic. He's almost here. Marco Simonovic is almost here. Tearing up the G League, uh, gonna obviously curious to another chip, but uh, no, it's uh, that's gonna do it for us, guys. Before I get angry here again, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and end this. I'm Keith Gork. You can find me on Twitter at at BSBP. Keith and Trey, where can people find you? On Twitter at Final Finally. And do follow the show, guys, at Ethos Bulls. We do uh, you know, try to broadcast weekly, maybe every other week, but uh, we get some shows out there for you guys, and we hope you like it. Uh, give us some likes and some subscribes. Give us some some reviews if you're out there. A good five-star review would be uh, really, really good for us. So thank you guys for listening. And until next time, go Bulls. Okay.